Well, it's great to see all of you here. Uh, but it's great to see all of you here tonight, and it is our endeavor to strengthen the cords and lengthen, lengthen the cords and strengthen the stakes, as the Bible said. Our idea of doing a little transformation here in these kind of meetings has a lot of good quality associated. So why don't we stand and ask the Lord to bring us closer together so that we can truly afford this city the future that God has given us and that he would strengthen us in wisdom and faith. like for us while we're standing to pray for the uh, <clears throat> my word what's Billy's last name <laughs> not, lost the name I kept trying to say Jeremy but uh, Jeremy's uh, really been going through some tough times for a good while but the doctor told them today that that they truly did not think that he had a lot longer left. And so my wife and I have been out there for quite a while this afternoon. But I want us to pray right now that God would strengthen them because, as I told them today, it's appointed. God's not going to put more on you than you can handle. And so we, we are going to work with what God wants. And so that's what we want to pray for, strength to endure the things that they're going through. And then also for our city, that God would give all of us the strength that we need to upgrade this city. may be seated, and uh, we're going to move right on into the uh, meeting. Is there everybody got a sheet? And I want you to have one. If you don't, we can create some more real readily. If you have a, a, somebody you want to give one to after it's over, uh, we can recreate last week's and, and this week. But I always try to hand something out or give something in the way of a picture because it, it, it's easier to hang on to things that you visualize. And uh, matter of fact, they tell you that 90% of what you see, you'll maintain part of it. You only maintain 60% of what you hear, and that's if you're a very astute listener. So uh, I would like for us to start off today with uh, the realization of we are a responsible people to a response-needed world. And uh, I've asked Brother Jerry Newberry to uh, just pick out a few scriptures out of the book of Ecclesiastes, the 11th chapter. And so, Brother Jerry, if you would, and then following him is his son, and he is going to give us a few statements out of the last half of that chapter. So, appreciate 
Ranch, that lake property. Done all this yesterday while I was out there. Uh, Brother Meyer asked me to, Ecclesiastes is a lot deeper book than what I thought it was when, way back when I read it some the first time I read it. But um, I just, I don't know, there's a lot of subjects in there. But I picked uh, chapter, he told me to use chapter 7. At the end I do have another, it's the very last two verses in Ecclesiastes. But 7 and 8 says, Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Sometimes I read out of the easy, that, that's King James Version. Sometimes I, I don't understand a lot of stuff. Not that I go by these other Bibles, but I read the, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Easy English Bible. I just, you know, I just read this just to see what they say, man. And the same verse in there says, it is good when you start to do some new work. But it is better to finish that work. Do your work well, even if you have to do it slowly. Sometimes you have to work on people a long time. And you don't rush things. We're not, you know, microwave generation was years ago. It's way faster than that now. So some people may be proud, but it is better to do your work well. So that's just a little bit different version. I thought about that verse. You know, a lot of us get stuff started and we don't finish it. We go to something else. And we're all guilty of that. I'll get in my shop and I'll have four things going and then I can't find nothing because I didn't finish the first job. And I'd be better off if I just went ahead and completed that job, put the tools back up and start the second job. And then I wouldn't be looking for tools. I guess everyday life could be like that too in your spiritual, in the things we do in our mind. The next two verses I I come up with was uh, in 7. It's 14 and 15. In King James Version says, In the day of prosperity be joyful, but in the day of adversity consider. God also hath set or made the one over against the other to the end that man should find nothing after him. And this is this verse 15 has made me really wonder about things too. It's like talking about Jeremy and his family. All things have... have all things have I seen in the days of my vanity. There is a just man that perish in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man that prolongeth his life in his wickedness. Kind of clarify that a little bit more in the Easy Bible version of 7 and 14 and 15. It says, if your life is good, you should be happy. It says, but bad things may happen to you. God causes good things to happen, and he also causes bad things to happen. Remember that. You do not know what will happen next. None of us do. Verse 15 in the easy version says, I do not know why I am alive. Sometimes I don't. I made it. But I have seen two things during my life. I have seen that good people have died. They died when they were young. They always did. The right thing, but they died just like everyone else. I have seen that some bad people live for many years. Sometimes that puzzles me. I try not to question God, but Ecclesiastes is full of all kinds of scriptures like this. And You know, we don't question God. We just trust Him in worship and go on. And y'all know many people in y'all's minds right now that was real good. I think about Brother Jim Lipscomb all the time. He was just fixing to go on the road and sing. Just fixing to retire. The very week that he put in for retirement, he found out he had cancer and put it on hold so his insurance would cover for another year. And then he died. Then I can think about people that are just 
really don't want to even waste a bullet on them. Put it real plain. And they'll live, and they'll have stuff, and they'll do good. You know, we don't question God. But Ecclesiastes talks about that. And that, I guess, some of the unanswered questions, that's probably one of my top list right there, why that happens like that. But he's got a reason, and someday we'll know. The last thing I was going to mention, and I thought it was ironic that Brother Meyer asked me to read from Ecclesiastes, because the two, my two favorite scriptures is at the very end of this book, in the whole Bible. Other than my mom's favorite scripture, Second Chronicles 7 and 14, which just talks about if my people will humble themselves, I'll heal their land. We wrote it right there. In, it's under that carpet right there in that floor. And we write this carpet and everybody wrote all the scriptures down. I, that's what she wanted to write down, and that's what we wrote. But my favorite scripture in the book of Ecclesiastes, and the reason it's like this, is because for years I asked the Lord, and I was thinking many years ago, I said, Lord, what would you want me to say if I could only use one phrase in the Bible, or maybe two verses, and I could, that's all I could use. I couldn't talk about the love of God in John 3.16. I couldn't talk about baptism. I couldn't talk about Acts, receiving the Holy Ghost. I couldn't talk about heaven or hell. I couldn't mention it. That's too long. What If I could only talk to those people one time and one time only and walk away, what would I? What would you want me to read in your word and tell them? And that scripture came to me. It's found in, it's easy to remember because it's the last chapter in Ecclesiastes. It's in 12. And the last verse is 13 and 14. That's the last two verses in that book. And here's what it says. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Verse 14, the very last verse in Ecclesiastes. For God shall bring every work unto judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good, whether it be evil. So I thought, well, I wonder what the Easy Bible says that. Easy English version. And it says, with a few words, I can describe everything that you must know. Like I said, I wanted to know what to say to somebody if I could just talk to them for just a minute. You should worship God. He says to you that you should, he says to you what you should do in his book. And you should do what he says. That is our duty. We may do good things. Verse 14. Sometimes we do wrong things. We think that nobody sees us, but God sees the things that we do. And he will ask us to explain the answer to this question. What have we done with our lives here on earth? That's what I would read. Them two verses right there. If that's the only thing I could say, and didn't have time to do anything else. That's the two scriptures I've, I've leaned on. Anyway, Ecclesiastes is a lot deeper book than I thought it was when I first started reading it. I'll just add to what Dad said that, uh, you know, I, I talked to a lot of people at church or at work, and we don't go into great detail. You know, pastor's always saying we're not here to make people Pentecostal, we're here to be more like Jesus. And I like that. I appreciate that. That I, I don't take for granted one time. I look back here all the time where Nanny used to sit. And she's still back there in spirit. She's just not physically back there. But um, I'm thankful for my heritage with the fundamental teachings of Pentecostal. You know, it, I, I don't want to ever take that for granted. That's what I try to teach the girls that be thankful for that because that umbrella, we do capture the majority of the teachings in the book. And there's a lot of truths in different, you know, denominations. But I also tell them, look, you're not, it doesn't say anywhere in here where you got to be Pentecostal to go to heaven. It doesn't say that. I said, we got to be like Jesus. 
I said, that's what we're striving to do. Now, be thankful for the teaching that you receive, and that's why, you know, Pastor, you talk about where you get your spiritual training at. Um, so on the job, when you talk to people, you, you try to be careful about, well, this, you know, we do this, you do that, we, you know, we're all different. But like Dad said, I was looking at the same verse, that those last two scriptures in the Ecclesiastes, because... We get this perception of everybody of like, well, that's a good person. They, they're they always good. They're always on top of things. But nobody really knows what you do when you're just alone. When it's just you and nobody else except the good Lord. And that's really, I think, where he's going to judge us. Is when, what are we doing when we're by ourselves? Away from our wives, away from our kids. What are those alone times, our thoughts? Uh you know, he says he knows the intent of the heart. And that's where you got to be careful sometimes because you can think you're doing the right thing, but it may be it may be for different intentions. And, and that's where I have to check myself sometimes of really what the intent is there. But like Dad said, you can't hide anything from, from God. And I'll, I'll tell my girls all the time, I said, look, there's nothing that you're ever going to do that me and your sweet mother are going to find out about. We're going to, we're going to find out about 90 to 95% of it, some way, somehow. So don't ever think that you can um, be doing something. Even if we're naive to it, we'll find out. Well, I have to check myself sometimes because I know that God, he knows 100% of what we're doing. Um, so outside of these four walls, I want to make sure when I lay my head down on my pillow at night that I line up. And sometimes I've had to go to bed and it just didn't work out the way he designed it to. And I had to check myself, wake up the next morning, and do better. So y'all pray for me. As I, I've got a lot of friends at work that I, that I try to work on. And, uh, you know, Pastor, you're always saying just love people. Just love them. Talk with them. And it may be something you simply something simple that you leave with them or say to them that they may get a hold of later on down the road that that they finally figure out what this whole thing's about. So, anyway, I love all you guys. Uh, I do appreciate my dad. I've, I've been very blessed. Uh, my sister and I live in a house where our parents loved God and they loved us and, and taught us how to do so. I'm, I'm thankful for that, Dad. And uh, Pastor... You've all I've known for 39 years, you know, and um, the the love that you show us on a day-to-day basis, we really appreciate it. Love y'all. Oh, and I want to say we had some exciting uh, exciting weekend. Thank you for baptizing the girls in the wonderful, powerful name of Jesus. And what what makes it thrilling is that you see some little Sophia up there. She's got her front row seat to all of it. And uh, I told Pastor, I said, you may have to dunk her three or four times. So we'll, we'll do that one of these days. <laughs> Brother Ronnie, if you would, come on up. And uh, I appreciate these men taking time to share with us from their heart, uh, from the Word of God. Thank you. Praise the Lord, everybody. Uh Brother Meyer asked me to find three verses in the book of Psalms. Good night. That's 150 chapters. And every one of them are good. I love every, everything in there. But uh, I always tend to go to Psalms 100. And it says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And I know that God's hand is on little brother Jeremy. Uh, What a gift he gave us with that little boy to be raised in church all these years. And I know it's going to be hard to give him up, but God will give them grace. And uh, I appreciate 
everything that you guys mean to me. You're a special group, and I love you. Thank you. And, and again, I'm so excited about God's plan for your life. In the Bible, he said, I know my thoughts toward you, saith the Lord of hosts. They are thoughts of peace, not evil, for a good hope of a final outcome. And uh, what, a, what a, a great scripture that has been for me for many, many years. I, uh, I want to talk to us from your little pamphlet. And uh, the reason I do these is because it, it's something tangible that you can hold on to, look back at later. And remember having an evening with friends and brotherhood and, and, and just us getting together and talking about some of these things. So I'm going to read part of the first uh, cover part for us to make quality decisions and become what or who we desire to be and uh, and you know how often I quote Proverbs through desire a man separateth himself and so our witness program our talking to people is what either creates a desire or it turns them other directions. So when they sense that we are focused on their life and not us gaining a convert, but that we care about wherever they are, they begin to get a desire to know why in the world we care more about them and they are that we are concerned about them, and so that's a that's a big deal. For the first many years I pastored, my goal was to see what a big crowd we could get, but that's not the goal. When you study Jesus, he went to the crowd, and he spent time sharing life, and they became hungry, and then they became either for him or against him. And so many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. It's not wrong to bring people, but if we don't create desire, they're not generally going to stabilize or transform, be transformed until there's a hunger. And, and, you know, about seven or eight years ago, I preached on the, the, the saturation of desire and hunger. Because they that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. God will never turn them away if they ever get a desire to be like him. He will, at that point, send many of us to them to befriend them, to let them know that we are disciples and that we truly move in toward their life. So uh, one of the quotes that I had picked up years ago is right under the very first part, right above the galaxy, etc. Since I live forever, it is up to me to be what I want to be. And none of us will ever exceed what our desire is we may fraternize with people that are super great but if we're not hungry and willing to separate ourselves from the frivolous or the superfluous or the shallow we will always live in the shallow end of the pool wet yes feeling like you're in the pool or in the church yes but the Waters to swim in when you get into that scripture. And it gets to be big. And that's where I hope that somehow that we can achieve. The picture you see is the earth in the middle of the rest of God's world. Try to imagine where you fit in that 
small picture, and yet we are standing on the outer edge of that. That gravity just blows my mind when I think how fast the earth is spinning and then when it's flying around in its orbit and then all these other things and none of them collides. The big collision for us is this fight, flesh against the spirit. And that is a critical thing. And so in the Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and I'm jumping out of your little pamphlet right now to the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews because I, wanna, I want us to sense how that God has got this thing already in such an orb. And that picture to me is just so huge. And so then... He brings us back to Paul does and when he says in the 12th chapter wherefore seeing we also that also includes all of us are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us that we run the pay right at the beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. But in the race, it cannot be a competitive thing. God really comes down on competition and that lust of the flesh and competitive nature, he really comes down on that. So we have to be extremely careful. But looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before before him endured the cross he despised the shame you're not the only one that's ever despised the shame of being a servant instead of a king but knowing inside you that you have a king that is in charge of the kingdom and has made us servants of the king. And so we represent the king. And that is huge. And so despising the shame. And is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him. Verse 3. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners. Against himself. And this. He just gets his finger right in our chest. Lest you be wearied. And faint. In your mind. Now, we husbands have got to realize that our wives are more emotionally oriented and we are more mathematic. We look at the two plus two. They look at a dollar missing and say we're going bankrupt. It's an amazing thing that... God built us that way. And so the the real need of this hour is for men to take a stand, but if you're not standing on the rock and leaning on the word, the pressure over here, Brother Jim, come real quickly if you would, and <clears throat> lean on me. No, I mean lean on me. Don't push me. Just lean <laughs> There's a difference in pushing somebody around and leaning on them. He's falling, and I'm falling. And so I lean on the Word, and my strength is not in me. My intelligence tells me if I don't lean on something far greater than me, my brother's going to fall. His hurts are going to drive him insane. He's got to have a brotherhood. He's got to have a people that he can lean on. And therefore, he gets to rest in that relationship from the pressure over there. Brother Darren, would you come lean on him? 
may have to have Brother Jeff come be God for a minute if this thing gets any bigger. It's about the biggest thing here. Next. Move that over a little bit. Our God is the greatest. He has stood the test of years. He has been railed on. They put him on the cross, put him in a tomb, and he has never lost his love for us. That is unthinkable. So, now then, what's going to happen? And if you want more people in the church, this is what we're going to have to be. I mean, God's not going to put more on us than we can bear. And if we can't shoulder up and have enough knowledge to answer their questions, we're not going to be shaking and breaking through kingdoms and dark. So God has got to have a preacher that cares. And then the preacher has got to care so that the leaders of the church find that same care, that sacrifice. And then what's going to happen is all those people out there are going to see we're all the same. We depend on Jesus. And then we can sing that song, I'm depending on you to see me through. And so that picture has got to, and thank you for indulging us. So in this picture here, for us to make good decisions and become what or who we desire to be, we must study that kind of thing. Not just, and thank you, Brother Cody, for bringing that up on the, because it's not in my notes, but just becoming Pentecostal. There's 101 oneness movements. And the book of James says, from whence comes all that? And he said, that come, comes from your own lust. That's how churches break down. It's not about they don't still love Jesus' name, baptism. They just don't love their brother as they ought to. And I just reread it again a couple of weeks ago. That if you have something against your brother you don't go tell anybody you go talk to them if we're going to be the strength of this county and we're going to show our kids the path to get through this big world it's on a little sheet of paper but you're experiencing a lot of this stuff that's going on and the earth has already tilted off of its axis quite a ways you study science at all. This thing is going to wobble off and out of orbit. And then shall the end come. So I don't want to be just preaching to you. Just preaching. I want to talk about doors. And the main door. But right now I want us to realize it's a race. But it's not against one another. This race is against all the flesh desires that want to be at the top of your list of things to do. If we don't pray every day, we don't seek the will of God every day, we're liable to lose a little stability because he is the anchor of the soul both steadfast and sure, a nail in a sure place. In other words, that sure place is where it holds everything together, and that's the cross, a nail in a sure place. I think we ought to thank him right now just for the intelligence we already have. Father, I need you. I need these men. I need their families so that you can be satisfied. You said that you would be satisfied out of the travail of your soul.
and you have shared that. And we are going to travail over our city. We're going to notice your desire for us. So verse 6, for the Lord, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. How many of you have ever been in a horse race? Did you ever spank that horse on the rump? Brother Ronnie, you did, didn't you? The Lord is not doing it to hurt you. He chasteneth to get you started if you stop. To get you to be renewed in your desire if you start desiring things out there more than his kingdom. He will not have a bride that is devoted to another God. He said, there will be no other God before me. You couldn't be any more fair than that. So when we have a desire that reaches a level where I'd just as soon do this as to be at his house or to do his will or to try to help his world or to sacrifice time, praying and seeking the will of God daily, those are huge. It's not like, oh, well, man, no big deal. If you don't like to do that stuff, if you don't weep over the lost, if you don't travail in Zion, uh, well, you can still be Pentecostal. That's why I'm telling you we can't afford the luxury of calling ourselves Pentecostal unless we are. And Pentecostalism did not start and endure without regular prayer, travail, fasting, seeking the will of God. That's how we got this far. And we're not going to go any further. And these men's meetings are critical because we don't need a big audience in here. We just need to be able to look in the mirror and say, look, is there any smudge on my face? Is there any lack of desire? That's not punishment. That is exciting because he still cares and he ever liveth. That scripture just harnesses something in me. He ever liveth. Right now he's praying for us. He ever liveth to make intercession with the Father for us with groanings, Brother Jim. That cannot be us. That spirit comes down on us and our not my will, but thy will be done. And we join him in that anthem of praying in the spirit. We join him in prayer rooms. And it's about time for us to really negotiate getting in that prayer room for 10 minutes or longer and travail. Because he said when Zion travails, sons and daughters are going to come. That's huge. That's just as true as the rapture. That's just as true as being baptized in Jesus' name. And I I can tell you when Zion travails, sons and daughters will be, be, be born. That spirit reaches way beyond. So in this, if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence shall we not much rather be in subject unto the father of spirits all the spirits come from that same source and every one of them's good I want to ask you in the middle of this because we're, we're just about we're going to have to close this down and so uh, I have set myself on this I don't always own just a regular service, but on this, I want you to have the liberty of knowing we're, we're going to shut down. But when you think of David and his sheep and the bear and the lion, I mean, like we're not talking another dog chasing sheep. We're talking a bear and a lion. God chose that in that book and setting to show us the ferociousness of the predator. 
hell hath, the Bible said, hell hath enlarged her mouth without measure. In other words, you cannot measure what your kids are going through in the way of temptations and fleshly desires. And if they don't hear us praying, they're not going to be feeling all the spirits of heaven that are opened up in the warehouse or the storehouse, the Bible calls it. So what was it that David used to whip the bear and the lion? He didn't have a forty-five. He didn't have a thirty-eight Magnum. He didn't have a four-ten shotgun, which I got mine out last night because there's two dogs roaming around over here. They have torn up all of the cushions on the kids' patio. Have y'all see those dogs? They're some of the finest-looking dogs in the world. So, if, Brother Matt, if you hear about me getting arrested, come running. And just tell them, say, he didn't mean to be that bad. They have torn up stuff at our house. They've torn stuff up. The pre uh, that what's what's that group that comes and catches uh, yeah animal control they've come out and set traps for them they can't even get them I, w I left my coffee cup on my golf cart one day and I saw a dog running with a coffee cup in his mouth he got my coffee he's not an idiot I think him and the devil are in cahoots I'm just saying that there are predators around that'll tear up everything we've done if we don't guard our heart with all diligence so it's a, it's a huge thing and so what I'm encouraging us is to upgrade our spirit of travail in prayer because he said when Zion travails the church Sons and daughters will be born. That, that travail, praying, oh, God, but from way down inside, from this desire, God, don't let our mayor lose his equilibrium. God, don't let our police officers lose their courage. They need us like never before to stir up the gift and stir up the spirits that will absolutely turn light on in every corner. They may, very few of them may come to this assembly. But when they've traced down the trail to light, they may find out you were the person that prayed the prayer of faith that delivered part of our city. Our school system needs a church that is committed to prayer. So, I'll, I'll just let you read the rest of it. But the race, uh, I, I have way too much about that. And, uh, and I really am thankful for these men that have already talked about so many important things. And, and so, I encourage you to read the rest of Hebrews, the 12th chapter, on your uh on your time and then I encourage you to realize that, uh, and, and I, I put it in your little deal about the race but that it's a little bit different but it's still, still. and then a few days in full of trouble uh, first of all did I finish on uh, David his love for the sheep was so great he was willing to lay down his life his responsibility he was not going to give up the responsibility of helping the sheep just because he had never whipped a bear and never whipped a lion but he challenged it with love for the sheep and that's where we get the great shepherd of the sheep Jesus Christ the righteous who is faithful and just. So I encourage you to read Job, the 14th chapter. If you've already read it, great. 
But if you have any questions about any of this material, please don't hesitate to uh, write down and and uh, just send me a question, uh, call, leave it on my recorder if you need to. But uh, uh, I, I prefer you put it in a, some sort of a way where I, if I'm real tied up emotionally with the people and settings, that I don't overlook it because you mean far more than tithing to me. Don't forget to tithe. But that's not why I'm here. I do thank God that's what keeps me here. But it's a, I very seldom preach on it because I'm always sensitive to people. But I do want you to know that it, it is a partnership and it ties us together because you're sending God's money into the ministry and God holds the ministry accountable for your money that you respond to his in obedience to your tithe. And so it's, it, it is a real valid thing. Why don't we stand? Is there, first of all, is there any questions that you would like to ask? But I will, uh, you know, we, we'll take a minute for that if you Let's just stand, and I want us to pray that God would give us the strength that we need to meet needs in our city as we run the race and as we allow this great metropolis of angels that are hovering over us. Jesus' name, every pastor in the city, every church in this area, to find a revival of the name, the blood, and your spirit, and the righteousness and the holiness of God. Amen. God bless you. Shake hands. Be friends. Oh, Brother Jerry. Hold on. Let Brother Jerry tell you. Go ahead. You can't, anybody's got a camper? Y'all would stay, but everybody else would be dismissed. But if you're involved at the lake at all, I want to talk to you about five minutes on some stuff coming up. Mary Lou gave me this paper, got it back and forth. And uh, 